If only life had a remote control, you could pause or rewind. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. Take the one-minute risk test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. When a new respiratory virus started cropping up in Wuhan, China late last year, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. Everybody thought it's going to be kind of a fluke, right? So kind of like SARS. So yes, there are many infected, people were isolated. Yeah, China is affected, but they managed to kind of control it. But as we all know now, that was not the case. This novel coronavirus was busy spreading fast. There are now 218 confirmed cases of the new coronavirus, most of them in Wuhan, where the outbreak originated. Global coronavirus cases have been increasing in India rapidly, with active cases crossing 300. Across uh, Europe, it's been another day of grim statistics and images as the virus spreads. The Alarm bells started to ring. The number of people who've died from coronavirus in Italy has now overtaken the figure in China. We are in desperate need of both nurses and physicians. Governments, institutions, healthcare officials sprung into action. This can go on for several months, okay? But scientists were already on it. Eager to address a growing crisis, many ramped up their research. They became like first responders. My team lived in the lab. They essentially moved in in the office and slept there. This team was using one of the few tools capable of matching the pandemic's ruthless speed. Artificial intelligence, AI. AI is able to sift through large piles of data faster than any human ever could. And in this case, AI came up with a lot of possibilities. So we generated about 100,000 molecules in about four days. And it's not just researchers in the AI field. Scientists of all stripes are mobilizing, looking for something. Doctors and scientists, you know, do the throw the kitchen sink approach at it, right? And just let's see if there's any sort of theoretical or scientific basis to think it might work. Well, let's try it out. From The Wall Street Journal, this is the future of everything. I'm Janet Babin. Today on the podcast, a look at the role AI is playing in the fight against the novel coronavirus, from how AI predicted where the virus would spread to how scientists are using it to try and find a cure. life had a remote control, you could pause or rewind. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. Take the one-minute risk test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. This is the future of everything. I'm Janet Babin. There are so many potential ways that AI can help battle COVID-19, the disease that comes from the novel coronavirus, that a group of researchers wrote a brief paper outlining all the disparate efforts. It's called Mapping the Landscape of AI Applications Against COVID-19. Pretty straightforward title. This list includes about a dozen projects already. It gets longer every day. And it includes initiatives like AI that can support a diagnosis to projects that can identify existing drugs. 
The reason there are so many AI projects surrounding the pandemic is the technology's promise of improved speed and accuracy. John McCormick is a deputy editor on The Wall Street Journal's pro team. He's been reporting on AI for 20 years. Can you tell us in very basic terms, what is AI? Basically, it's techniques used to teach computers to learn, to reason, perceive, infer, communicate, and make decisions similar to or better than humans. A lot of different organizations are embracing AI because it can recognize patterns and use that to predict outcomes. This is the way companies and institutions around the globe are already using AI algorithms. They analyze data that acts as early warning signals to predict all kinds of shifting winds, a model that will tell them what people will search for, what they'll buy next, what they'll watch tonight on Netflix. There are companies whose AI models are tracking air pollution to detect upticks in economic activity. And some of these models knew about the coronavirus outbreak even before humans did. There were some early reports that companies like Blue Dot or there's an organization like HealthMap that were able to predict the outcome before the CDC and the World Health Organization. AI had an important role in the initial understanding of this outbreak. Canadian specialist Blue Dot deals with global epidemic intelligence. The first to report of an impending biohazard was Blue Dot. What not many know is that a Canadian health monitoring AI platform called Blue Dot beat both of them to the punch. We were one of the first groups in the world that identified this outbreak. Blue Dot is a Toronto-based company that tracks infectious diseases. It was started by a doctor, Cameron Kahn. He lived through an outbreak of SARS, severe acute respiratory syndrome, that was also caused by a coronavirus. At the hospital he was working at, one of his colleagues died from it. Kahn made it his mission to find ways the technology could predict disease so that people could be warned before an outbreak happened. They went out and they look at I think it's 100,000, maybe more, uh, news articles from local and international newspapers around the world. They do pick up official reports from health organizations like the World Health Organization. But then they pull in real-time climate data from satellites. They look at flight information from the airlines. They pull in government sources about, you know, where populations are in different cities. They look at insect control. Obviously, with the uh, Zika virus, that was obviously something that came from And basically what they do is they start to crunch all that data and they put it into a central repository that contains details, not just of the new information that they're gathering, but information that they've collected on 150 different pathogens. And they use their artificial intelligence to scan all that information for language patterns and topics and meanings and sentiments about infectious diseases. Then the system is able to pick out signals that could indicate an outbreak. Then it filters and organizes and analyzes that data. And so the system can actually spot an outbreak and the findings are reviewed by experts. Late in December 2019, Blue Dot started picking up on unusual data patterns coming out of China. They spotted a number of signals that indicated something might be going on. I mean, the the social media feed started to pick up a lot of things about, you know, undiagnosed pneumonia in Wuhan. So it picked up on that. 
And then the system again was accurately able to predict that the virus would spread because they were looking at airline traffic data. So they looked at Wuhan, they looked at where the flights were going, and they sort of put all their analysis, figured out how many people might be getting on planes, where those planes would be going. And obviously the flights out of Wuhan were going to Bangkok and Hong Kong and Tokyo, and that's actually where the disease started to spread. Around the same time, HealthMap, a nonprofit disease outbreak monitoring tool based at Boston Children's Hospital, was getting similar results, even though its AI model considers different information. In addition to all the collection or aggregation of data, they also take in eyewitness accounts. So they have people around the world that are actually talking to people and looking at things, and they'll put that eyewitness information into their calculations. But these models, all this information, it wasn't enough to stop the coronavirus from spreading or to even accurately predict what the virus was going to do when it got to those places. In order for AI to pick up a pattern or have the ability to come up with some sort of analysis or conclusion, it needs a lot of data. Some governments have been using AI during the pandemic as part of their efforts to stop the virus's spread. For example, Taiwan offered citizens real-time updates of COVID-infected areas, but there are still issues AI has to work out. If you're looking at drug discovery, if you're looking to make a predictive model, if you're looking to do anything, especially around disease prediction, you need a ton, a ton of data. And then even in the medical field, the added problem of privacy, which is a good thing. But in order for a lot of medical applications or pharmaceutical applications or other applications, you're always looking for as much data as you can. And particularly in a healthcare setting, you know, obviously there's patient privacy. So healthcare organizations or companies working with AI healthcare applications want as much actual patient data that they can get. But Hospitals just can't send them their medical files. All that data has to be anonymized, and in certain instances, people have to agree. So there's all these barriers to getting the data, but that's a really, really big hurdle. Coming up, we'll talk with one company trying to overcome that hurdle, an AI startup working to create a drug to treat COVID-19. I'm Janet Babin, and this is The Future of Everything. Join the Wall Street Journal at the Future of Everything Festival on May 21st to 23rd in New York City, where diverse global newsmakers share unique perspectives on navigating a changing world. Immerse yourself in live performances, explore pioneering technologies, and indulge in the city's inventive culinary scene. As a podcast listener, enjoy 20% off current ticket rates with code PODCAST. Visit wsj.com slash f-o-e-f podcast to secure your spot. From the Wall Street Journal, you're listening to The Future of Everything. I'm Janet Babin. The global pandemic has prompted a staggering number of labs, universities, companies, and countries to work often collaboratively to identify both new and existing drugs that could tackle COVID-19. Chinese scientists sequenced the virus's genetic code. The U.S. government has made its supercomputers available to researchers. And the White House has created a machine-readable repository of COVID-19 papers called the COVID-19 Open Research Dataset. One AI startup sharing some of its work is in silico medicine. 
In silico uses machine learning algorithms to make new drugs or repurpose old ones for different diseases. The company usually focuses on money makers, anti-aging treatments or finding drugs to treat cancer. It got a lot of accolades last year for quickly identifying potential new compounds that could treat fibrosis. But when COVID-19 broke out, CEO Alex Shavrinkov shifted the business to finding a treatment. Wall Street Journal reporter Jared Council wrote about Insilico's efforts, and we all got together on a video call. Uh, so I've got uh, my iPhone, voice memos, right? Yes. So, uh, hello, this is Alex Shavrinkov, uh, and I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Insilico Medicine. So we're a global company headquartered in Hong Kong. I am uh, in Hazelmere right now. So it's a small location near London. And here's Jared. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm Jared Council. I work on the enterprise technology team at WSJ. When Alex started hearing news reports of a pneumonia-like illness spreading through Wuhan late last year, he mobilized his staff. So what we did, we looked at all of the available materials, all of the available proteins that are known to facilitate either infection or replication of the virus. Just to explain how this works, one way to stop a virus is to search for a substance that will mess with the thing it absolutely needs to make copies of itself. And that is usually a protein. If you can jam up a key protein, then the virus can't replicate itself. We zoomed in on uh, one of the very promising and established proteins. It's called the 3C-like protease, which uh, facilitates replication of the virus and is very well known in uh, SARS and also in SARS-CoV-2 to uh, promote the infection. In case you missed that, the protein is called a 3C-like protease, a protein that plays a role in CoV-2, what researchers call the new virus, as well as in other coronaviruses, like SARS. And this is a protein that's part of the virus, correct? So if you're able to disable it, then you can inhibit the viruses. That is correct. So if we can selectively target it with a small molecule, with essentially a drug, we would disable the virus and we would not harm the patient in any way. Think of it like a lock and key. The virus protein is the lock. The molecule that will disrupt it is the key. It only works if it fits exactly right. If this were a pharmaceutical company, it would most likely be physically making or buying these molecules, completing physical simulations and testing them out. That process can take years. But remember, these guys are chemists and mathematicians. They're working with computers, not petri dishes. They're running algorithms trained to predict which molecule will make the most likely key. They also cook up new molecules, adding some materials, removing others. But again, with AI, the algorithms are simulating the best key. That's literally what the name in silico means, in simulation. They are creating virtual molecules that don't even exist yet. AI accomplishes this with something called neural networks. Maybe you've heard this term. It refers to computing systems that are loosely designed to work like neurons in a human brain. These networks ingest data, text, images, videos, and more. 
Based on that information, they can teach themselves to make predictions or find solutions. In Silico, the company uses a number of AI techniques. One is called GANs, Generative Adversarial Networks. The term adversarial is the clue to how these neural networks function. This is where researchers set up two neural networks that are adversaries. Alex says it's like they're fighting against each other to be the best. So one network is a generator generating kind of meaningful output in response to our request. And another network is called a discriminator. It's trying to catch whether the output of the generator is true or false. This is the same kind of technique that brought the world deep fakes and other websites that produce synthetic images and videos. There's a website called thispersondoesnotexist.com, which is essentially a bunch of random faces of people who look real who actually are not real. You know, it's a, a computer algorithm came up with these faces because some, someone taught it, hey, this is what a human face looks like. Just like the algorithms that make deep fakes were trained to recognize and replicate a nose or an eye to make a person, Alex told his algorithms to imagine molecules with certain attributes he's looking for. Like, they have to be soluble, they have to be bioavailable, and they have to be able to permeate tissue or be able to cross the blood-brain barrier. And the molecules have to have the right framework or design to, again, exactly fit in that protein. So we are essentially building the perfect needles instead of searching for a needle in a haystack. This process can be much faster than a conventional drug discovery pipeline. And in the throes of a pandemic, the Insilico team worked even faster than usual. So we generated about 100,000 molecules in about four days. We then narrowed down those 100,000 molecules to about 100. Okay, so just think about this for a minute. From the 100,000 molecules the AI identified, another set of AI processes then narrowed the selection down to the most promising 100 molecules in four days. My team was so eager to do it quickly that they essentially lived in the lab. So they launch the process and then they wait for, you know, 20 hours for it to complete. They time it. If something goes wrong, they restart it. And um, they essentially moved in and slept there. In silico's in the process of making batches of the most promising seven molecules. They'll be tested against the virus in test tubes. And if they work there, they'll then go through several rounds of pricey and time-consuming clinical trials. But Alex estimates that if all goes according to plan, a new drug from his lab wouldn't be ready for at least a year. And experts say even that's a long shot. The road to new drugs is peppered with promising attempts that failed. And in this respect, finding new drugs using AI is no different. I pinged Joe Walker to talk about this. He's a reporter with the Wall Street Journal's Health and Sciences Bureau. Am I not doing it right? No, you're doing it right now. Yeah. Okay. He told me that initially, a lot of pharmaceutical executives had put great faith in AI's ability to more quickly produce new drugs. And I think that what you've seen is that some of them have been disappointed with the results. The reality hasn't quite matched the promise just yet. 
And AI is just one piece of the puzzle. There are actually hundreds of clinical trials happening all over the world, China, Asia, Europe, here in the U.S. And those are primarily with older drugs that are already in the market for other diseases. So think about hydroxychloroquine, for instance, right? Something that's in the news a lot now, and a number of other drugs. And, and this is sort of what happens when you have an outbreak like this where it comes about suddenly and is killing people and we don't know how to treat it. Doctors and scientists, you know, do the throw the kitchen sink approach at it, right? And just let's see if there's any sort of, you know, theoretical or scientific basis to think it might work. Well, let's try it out. That ideology is reminiscent of another virus that captured the world's attention decades ago. Think about something like HIV. It's also a virus, a foreign pathogen. It's mysterious, it's deadly, and it's baffling medical science. Acquired immune deficiency syndrome. The AIDS epidemic, said the headlines, is spreading so rapidly that it threatens to overwhelm San Francisco's financial ability to deal with it. There were no drugs, there were no treatments, so it's a frightening time to find out. It took many, many years for us to get a handle on that, and we did eventually, right? You know, we, we've done really wonders with HIV, but it didn't happen right away. More than 30 years after the AIDS epidemic materialized, HIV is controllable with drugs, but there is still no cure and no vaccine. Researchers are hopeful that technologies like AI that were mostly unavailable during the initial AIDS epidemic will speed the process for COVID-19. Joe expects some of the COVID-19 therapies being tested to be ready by summer, which seems incredibly fast. It is incredibly fast. And I think there's like a big if there. We, we don't know when we'll have a treatment, if we'll ever have a treatment, frankly. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Thanks to Wall Street Journal reporters Joseph Walker, Jared Council, and Deputy Editor John McCormick. Stephanie Ilgenfritz is the editorial director of The Future of Everything. Lee Camping-Carter is our digital director. Jacob Gorski is our sound designer. Kateri Yoakum is The Wall Street Journal's executive producer of audio. I'm Janet Babin. Thanks for listening. Stay safe.